TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Welcome back to Overnight America. Really enjoyed that last hour. Wow, Brad Young and Charlie Brennan did great jobs. You can go and get the podcast over on the KMOX podcast page or just search for Overnight America wherever you get your podcast. And Charlie Brennan's book, I'm, I'm telling you, I keep a copy. I keep a copy right here by my desk, only in St. Louis. It is a fantastic book, too. If you haven't had a chance to see it, it is getting rave reviews from even members outside of his family. So that means it must be good. Uh, only in St. Louis. I did an interview with Charlie not that long ago. I guess you can go back and find that too. A uh, lot to get to on the show. And we found out over the last couple of days that Hunter Biden has been under investigation probably for the last couple of years, according to some filings with his taxes. So to discuss the situation there and really uh, what they could be looking into, what are the feds looking into, is uh, Julio Gonzalez. He's the CEO of Engineered Tax Services joining us on the line now. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I Listen, I'll do radio for Ted Drews anytime. <laughs> I love Ted Drews. Um, so you're familiar with the area, if you know who Ted Drews in the, that location. I just uh, purchased a couple of companies downtown St. Louis, and uh, we're excited to be in that community. I'm in here in Florida now, but every time I'm in uh, St. Louis, I like to get over to Ted Drews for a little um, ice cream. Oh, that is awesome. They are Awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, we find out that the Justice Department has been looking into Hunter Biden. Apparently, over the last couple of years, they've been looking into his taxes and foreign ties. And since you are with Engineered Tax Services and you know a thing or two, when the feds start looking at your taxes, that's never a good thing. I'm kind of curious what you think they're looking for. Well, I mean, clearly he didn't pay the taxes in certain states and to the uh, federal government. That's already been proven. And those are federal crimes. So then that starts to clock with the IRS, the Treasury, the state Treasury on what else is out there. And clearly, there seems to be a lot of evidence that there's much more out there on the foreign ties. And listen, these type of criminal actions for clients that we work with tend to get three to five years in prison. Not too much flexibility with the IRS when it comes to these type of crimes. How long does it take to actually investigate something like this? Because it sounds like they've been doing it since 2018. And for whatever reason, it wasn't really known until the last couple of days or it wasn't reported. So does it normally take that long to investigate an individual? It usually takes years. I mean, 
they like to have all the evidence before they get to this level. And then from this point on, it moves pretty quickly. Then it becomes a negotiation. They typically at this point know what's owed. And then based on the limits that are owed, and once it's over $500,000, it typically goes to prison and quite a few years there. And then it's a negotiation based on how much prison time, how much can be paid back and how quickly. So being that it was a couple of years back that they started this, so are you saying that indicates that it may be uh, a negotiation going on to pay back taxes, or could there even be more things going on behind the scenes that uh, it's more than just trying to pay back taxes? It could actually be some pretty serious crimes that were committed that they're still looking into. Oh, I I think when it gets to this level, there's serious crimes that are not published in the media currently but are clearly under investigation. And so I think there's a lot more to this than, you know, we're seeing in the media. I I guess it's in the millions and uh, that it's a very serious issue. Is it hard? This is a weird question because I'm not trying to help anyone evade the IRS or whatever it is. But let's say you have large sums of money coming in from foreign entities. Is that hard to hide from the IRS and the feds? Or is that something that a lot of times could go under the radar and they just don't notice it for years? You know, it can go under the radar. There's no doubt about it. But eventually, it catches up when it's large dollar amounts because they have ways, you know, technology, artificial intelligence to track this. It does take some time when it's foreign, but clearly it's on the radar now. And once that process starts and the the clock starts ticking, it, it gets very serious. Well, is there any difference of ex- accepting large amounts of money from foreign entities versus something here in the United States? Like, is there something triggered separately when it comes from out of country? You know, basically, when it gets to foreign entities, now you're being you're finding out these records eventually from the bank. And so that takes a couple of years, typically, to make its way through the IRS and through Treasury. And clearly, during COVID and this pandemic, you know, they've been struggling just to have capacity. But um, but clearly, this is at the level where that information is no doubt in the hands of the people at the IRS and Treasury, and, and uh, now it becomes a negotiation at this point. Mm. Uh, Julio Gonzalez is joining us, CEO of Engineered Tax Services. And when it comes to foreign banks or maybe just banks in general, are they constantly working in cooperation with the Justice Department, the feds, when it comes to high-profile cases? Or do you see, I'm just curious, do, do banks normally resist working with them in order to try to protect their clients? No, there's tremendous cooperation. You know, when we've had clients of this stature and in this situation, there's plenty of cooperation, and it's very serious. And those things between foreign countries and the U.S. here and the U.S. Treasury and IRS are fairly cooperative. You know, I'm kind of curious, too, generally, what is disclosed after the fact? So let's say that this investigation finally concludes and there's some decision of what could happen to Hunter Biden. Do they ex- do they actually go out there and will they um, will they discuss and will they show what was part of this investigation or is that kept private? No, it typically becomes public record and, you know, it'll be in the federal. Uh, you know, it'll be in all the federal reports and all the federal issues on this case. And I think ultimately it will be disclosed, although, you know, we're dealing with someone that, you know, supposedly has his father as presidency. So, you know, I guess there could be some play there. 
You know, mm. I've never seen those type of situations. So clearly he has that advantage going for him. But I don't know how far that would take him. I don't know that the IRS or Treasury are going to bow down to, you know, the uh, reported new president. Yeah. Uh, I'm also curious, too, outside of the IRS, and a lot of times you hear about people negotiating with the IRS. I just wanted to go back, and we kind of talked about this in the first question. When the Department of Justice becomes involved, um, does that just up the level of severity? And does the Department of Justice normally get involved with things like this, or is this like a special, uh, if this indicates something else special is going on? Well, the Department of Justice really gets involved when it comes to over a million dollars. And at that point, they get involved. Then you're talking a very serious federal crime and criminal activity. So Department of Justice really comes in when it comes criminal to an excessive amount. Hmm. Well, typically speaking, of course, there's really no evidence of this. So I'm just um, bringing this up as a hypothetical. So I I think I should probably be clear when I say this. When someone is investigated by the Department of Justice and it's um, Hunter Biden, would they also look into family members? So is it possible that even Joe Biden's records have been looked at as part of this investigation? That always happens in these cases. So once you go down this path, Families are investigated as well because they know that typically in these cases there's a shell game going on between families. And a lot of times what you'll see is that the families are also indicted because it typically starts with one person and it extends to other people in the family. That happens, I would say, 90 percent of these cases. Wow. Okay, so there could be other family members involved. Um, We know that, at least on the business side, there's some other dealings with, I guess it would be his uncle, Joe Biden's brother. And then, um, I mean, there's other family ties that we've seen uh, overseas. Now, the interesting thing with all of this is that we're after an election, and I don't know what happens with something like this. This seems like a pretty incredible case to pop up with such a high-profile name. If you were to, to um, kind of give us an idea of the steps that would happen next here and kind of a timeline of what to look for, what, what are some of those things? You know, I would think that they'll start to, you know, present the evidence to the Biden family and their attorneys, and those attorneys will talk to the attorneys at the Department of Justice, the Treasury, and the IRS and that they'll start to work on some type of negotiations. Those typically take a year to two years. Um, in the meantime, though, they're put on typically these high-profile cases. These people involved are, you know, put into some type of home, you know, uh, you know, mandatory stay. And uh, so, look, I think it'll go quickly. I think that, you know, with the president in play here that things will probably get dragged out a bit longer and more people will be involved but certainly you know the department of justice and the irs and treasury they i've never seen them back down to anyone wow they don't mess around so if people wanted to find out more about the things you're doing in engineered tax services things like that where can they find you guys yeah tax reform expert on twitter and you know, thank you for that. We always put up daily tax updates to help people preserve their wealth. And uh, hopefully we're helpful in that regard. What was the Twitter handle again? Tax Reform Expert. Tax Reform Expert. Perfect. And I'm sure when you're in St. Louis again, I am love that you mentioned Ted Drews. I'm sure you'll enjoy 
many Ted Drew's ice cream. Uh, it's just mwah, wonderful. So Julio Gonzalez, never, CEO, never back down from that either. No, never. <laughs> Engineer Tax Services, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Overnight America. My pleasure. Anytime. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. It's always a bonus when a guest that is from out of state mentions Ted Drews. Love that. This is Overnight America KMOX. I want to read this text message because it's a good text message, which is, why did the Department of Justice hide this for so long? Well, there's more than just the Department of Justice hiding this. Why did the mainstream media hide it as long as they've decided to hide it. Now, if you want to talk about journalistic integrity, you think they would report on something like this if they knew. So I saw Dana Lash online, of course, great St. Louis ties here, and even on our sister station, 97.1, and she was just hitting it out of the park earlier today. She said, and let me just read these tweets. So our free press sat on a story about the two-year investigation into 50-something-year-old child hunter biden's taxes in chinese business dealings and the department of justice paused the investigation because of the election while accusing their critics of undermining democracy she goes on to say the free press deserves every syllable of criticism and and anyone else has ever given them they have utterly failed you they are not journalists they are activists they've done more to undermine brief in their own industry than anyone else. Government bureaucracies or bureaucrats aided to the free press work to suppress information to control the outcome of an election. And she is right on when that assumption and that uh, not assumption, but right on in her opinion on that. It is very disappointing. And even yesterday during Sean Hannity's program, they were talking to Senator Ron Johnson about the Hunter Biden scandal. And I got to say, not only that, but Tucker Carlson's been great at covering this and also covering the Chinese spy ties with Congressman Swalwell. Now, I don't know about you, but that story just keeps getting more bizarre as he goes on the offense. It's so ridiculous and stupid to think that people believe he says he uh, actually believe what he's saying right now. Um, we know that he was compromised. There's no reason he should be on the intelligence committee. We know that his family members were friends and still interacting with her. And he refuses to deny that they were in a sexual relationship. A Chinese spy in a sexual relationship with a congressman that's on the intel committee. How does that look? And for some reason, they're defending him. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi is defending him. And yesterday on Tucker Carlson's program, he took the Austin Powers movie, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and <laughs> they put Swalwell's face on there. I couldn't believe it. It was so ridiculous. Oh, I got a laugh out of that. But they have just been looking at it's just so utterly ridiculous. This needs to be taken very seriously. And he he is not getting the um, he, he is not getting the reprimand that he deserves for this. But going back to Hunter Biden, same thing here. Julio Gonzalez, you just heard from him in the last segment. It's almost always they look into family members as well. And those family members could be indicted. And if that's the case, is it that Joe Biden could be involved in all of this? 
Here's what Ron Johnson said about Hunter Biden. There have been reports of uh, the Bidens cashing in on the Biden name for many, many years, you know, dating back to when uh, Joe Biden was a senator. But, you know, Hunter said he didn't didn't get a cent. No, he got millions of dollars. You know, our, our report documents $5 million. We issued an addendum to our report showing about $6 million was paid into the accounts of Rob Walker, a business he controlled. And of course, Rob Walker said that he wanted to be a proxy or a surrogate for the Biden family. So there's $11 million from China. And, and Sean, I have to point out, the company they were dealing with, the CEFC, in 2013, they reported, I think, $33 million of, of income. Uh, and it just went poof. That business just disappeared along with its chairman. That's the business, that's the individual that had ties to the Communist Party of China and the People's Liberation Army that Hunter Biden was doing business with and that Joe Biden, according to Tony Bobzinski, was fully aware of. Let's just go back and look at everything that was disproven about Russian uh, interference and Russian ties to Donald Trump in trying to use that. And how many years have they continued to say that Donald Trump was a puppet for Putin in a Russia, blah, 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 all of which was disproven. And they did years of investigations into this to just try and try and Russia, 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 Russia. And all of that was just now we look at what's going on with China, which actually can be proven. And we see all of these ties. I mean, all of these bits of investigation, spies sleeping with congressmen and mayors and people of influence for years. They had these relationships and that is being not only alleged with other people, but also there's pretty strong indications that this was also the case with a congressman that is on the House Intel Committee, a Democrat from California, Eric Swalwell. And that is very concerning because this went on for years and still ties to his family members, still friendly with her, even up until the last couple of months ago, which is so ridiculous. Those things are starting to come out. We see what Ron Johnson points out, all of this money coming from China. We see these uh, Chinese TED Talks bragging about how they've infiltrated the American financial systems and politicians and all of these things going on. And they're openly bragging about this. And they said. The one thing that was most difficult for them was Donald Trump, who stood up to that country and tried to end all of this. Now they have someone friendly getting into the White House with Joe Biden. And I hope this investigation uh, furthers and we can really see the ties here. Uh, Johnson, by the way, also talking about the way that the media has covered this sort of thing and just how ridiculous of a double standard it is. And of course, we found out now the mainstream media had far greater influence and interference in our election than any Russian interference ever could have hoped for. I mean, the fact of the matter, there have been polls out now. A McLaughlin poll said that 36 percent of Biden voters had never heard of the Hunter Biden story because of the censorship and suppression of that 13 percent. Once they found out, said they wouldn't have voted for Biden. So that means 4.6 percent of Biden voters would not have voted for him. That means Trump would have won the election. That's the enormous influence that social media and our liberal bias media played on this election. Their, their interference just is orders of magnitude greater than any Russian or Chinese or Iran foreign interference in this in this campaign. All right. Let me give you a perfect example of this. Remember when the Hunter Biden laptop story became a thing? Now, keep in mind, we now know that the Department of Justice has been looking into them. So they are very much involved with things that are surrounding Hunter Biden. And a lot of these bits of news started to come out. What did Facebook and Twitter and all these big companies start to do? 
they suppressed that information. They took the news source that broke that, the New York Post, and decided to block them. And they didn't ban them, but they paused them and blocked them from posting any other news on there. And then they started to ban that information going through on Twitter. Eventually, Jack Dorsey, the uh, founder, the CEO of Twitter, came out and said that was a mistake, but it happened. Same thing that goes on with the suppression of these other uh, social media accounts. And then what goes on, too, you get the story itself was refused to be reported on by all the major networks. I think only Fox and Newsmax and stories, uh, different sites like that. And then, of course, their broadcast brought it up and the rest of them mocked it. And they said it's not even worth dignifying this story because it's just, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy talk. And now what happens now? We know know that the Department of Justice was very much involved and the Department of Justice very much has been looking into this. You want to talk about suppression of this leading into the election. Senator Johnson is 100 percent right. It was absolutely used as a way to try to get the person they wanted in. That's how these decisions are made. I do not doubt that for a moment. And that needs to be remembered. Okay, it's more than just a mistake. It was an intentional act that these news agencies tried to suppress and hold these things back, considering that this has been going on for years. And now we know because of Project Veritas, that even the editorial side of CNN, the uh, discretion they use, what they report, they use it as a way to try to attack on their networks like Fox and their people. You're starting to see all of this stuff going out there. It's right out there in the open for everyone to see. So coming up in a moment, one of the big breaking news stories is that the FDA has finally endorsed the Pfizer coronavirus, but for emergency use. So we're going to talk to a doctor, an expert on pharmaceutical and chemical related technologies, Dr. Dean Finelli. Right after the break, we'll take a look at your weather, too. It's Overnight America KMOX. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. We started to get the breaking news earlier today that the FDA is going to approve Pfizer's COVID vaccine for emergency use here in the United States. Other countries have already started to push this through their approval process and started to use it. Join us now to discuss that is Dr. Dean Finelli. Thank you for coming on to KMOX. Good to join you. I wanted to maybe talk about the FDA in general when it comes to the approval process. So emergency use, is that just like a first step and they'll continue to look into this to open it up for the general public for non-emergency use? Uh, So in this case it is, but emergency use is just during a pandemic situation. So it's not a typical situation because we're in a pandemic and, you know, obviously we need to get the therapeutics and the vaccines on the market as quickly as possible. The FDA has a means the emergency use authorization to authorize the use of a vaccine in this case prior to full approval, which will probably come, you know, five, six months later. Okay. So on the pharmaceutical side, do you see emergency use happening or is this a pretty rare thing? Uh, It's a pretty rare thing. Uh, You usually don't see it unless there's, you know, a pandemic situation or an emergency situation. So it's very rare. When we talk about emergency use, I guess, what would be, what would a constituted emergency use be? So when I think of emergency, maybe I'm looking at it in the wrong way, because I think emergency of you're in a situation where it's necessary to treat you with this as an emergency, but emergency in this case just means that there's a dire need for it for a mass population. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So as they continue with this process, other countries have already approved this and they've been starting to use it. I'm curious if you've seen some of the stories from England or, you know, some of the first cases of this. People are a little bit worried because there's been some initial um, there's been some initial concern that there may be side effects involved with this vaccine. 
Yeah, so there are some rare side effects. Uh, two individuals in the UK that received the Pfizer vaccine, uh, these were individuals that had very high um, overreactive immune systems. In fact, they were um, bringing with them EpiPens. So they, they knew that they had uh, overreactive immune systems. So this is not a situation where it was a, a healthy individual that got the vaccine. Now, because of that, of course, the FDA, if they authorize this, it could be likely that they say uh, this is authorized for people, except if you have, you know, you're on an EpiPen, if you have extreme allergies, in that case. Mm-hmm. But generally, uh, the safety profile is very good. People um, mostly report, you know, similar side effects like the flu, injection site pain, some mild fatigue, aches, headache, and fever, about Less than 20% of people uh, may show, you know, about 24 hours of a little more serious, like high, higher fever and more body aches that where they feel like, you know, they had a flu or something. But that's very limited. It's in a small population that usually clears up within 24 days, uh, 24 hours. Excuse me. I see. So that's a pretty quick turnaround on something like that. Well, with the EpiPen, that's kind of interesting because for a while we thought we're going to have to prioritize who should be getting this. And you would think someone that would be high risk may be someone that would be high up there. But now we think about when it comes to complications of the coronavirus, those that were most susceptible to have the hardest time shaking the virus were those that had other complications and they were considered, you know, high risk. So, Taking this right now, would the high-risk cases still be the top priority, or do you think the high-risk cases may want to wait a little bit to see if any other side effects start to pop up? Yeah, so we know that the high-risk cases are people over 65, people that have diabetes, heart disease, and these so-called comorbidities. So they'll still be uh, the highest priority to get this. The CDC came out with guidelines, and uh, nursing homes, along with healthcare workers and doctors, nurses, uh, will be the first to get it. So even though, you know, you would think that someone uh, in a nursing home may not be in such good shape to receive the vaccine, they are at the highest risk of these you know, almost 300,000 deaths that we're seeing in the U.S. About 40% of those deaths have come from nursing homes. So uh, the emergency use, the standard they use there, do the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risks? So here, because the death rate is so high, Uh, The benefits clearly would outweigh the risks, so that's why those groups would still be prioritized very high. Hmm. Dr. Dean Finelli is joining us here on Overnight America, and I'm wondering if you had a chance to review any of the studies or the documents, some of the documentation that has come out on this vaccine. I have reviewed some of the publicly available. Uh, These, all these companies that are doing, have been very good about getting the data out in publicly uh, peer-reviewed journals, and I have looked at some of them. So I'm curious when you review this compared to maybe some of the other documents you've seen from other vaccines or other uh, different types of shots that people may take, like the flu shot or whatever, how does this compare to other things you've seen? Yeah, so if you think the flu is a good comparison, um, you know, this 95% efficacy is just incredible. Uh, I think it's way higher than anyone would have, would have expected. If we compare that to the flu, uh, the flu is about 40 to 60% uh the flu vaccine is about 40 to 60 percent effective. So this is much higher than that. Um, and when you talk about the the side effects um, of getting the flu shot, you know, they're typical injection site pain. So these are a little higher than the flu shot. But as far as comparing the data, the efficacy is just 
quite literally off the charts. I mean, I don't think anyone really expected it to be this this well, and we really need that because to get to that, we've everyone heard of the term herd immunity. To get there, we're going to need about seven over seventy percent of the population to get vaccinated. So it just will make it that much easier uh, having a, a more effective uh, vaccine. You know, we don't hear about the Moderna drug much anymore. A lot of Pfizer talk going through this process. But when they came to the announcements, it was almost one after the other. So Pfizer came first, and it seemed like within a couple of days, the next vaccine and another company that was producing one came out with an announcement. So I'm wondering if they're on the the next step to get FDA approval, or if they're pretty close to it, if you've heard anything. Yeah, they absolutely are. So this today was Pfizer's uh, turn with this advisor, external advisory committee of the FDA, and that external advisory committee will review the Moderna uh, data next Thursday. So uh, effectively, we could have two vaccines uh, before Christmas authorized in the U.S. You know, some people worry about this process and they say, well, based on warp speed, it was just so fast that maybe there were some corners that were cut or maybe there could be things that were pushed along that shouldn't have been pushed along. And they have their own concerns about a vaccine like this. I'm curious if you can talk about the clinical trials and everything that led up to the point of releasing it for emergency release. And if if people's minds should be eased, even though this was a fast process, but uh, still this is something that it wasn't uh, a cut corner situation. Yeah, they certainly, people should be aware that they did not cut corners. And typically when you're thinking about drug development or vaccine development, in this case, you're talking, you know, the term of a decade or more. So, and the reason that it's so slow is it's very expensive. In this case, through Operation Warp Speed, a lot of these companies uh, received taxpayer funding uh, to accelerate this. In addition, you know, usually the FDA has a, a slower approach. You know, they're not look, working around the clock looking at this data so quickly. Similarly, companies prioritize things differently. Here, everyone was laser focused. You had scientists from these companies, you know, literally at these companies working 24 hours a day on these, getting the data into the FDA review in real time. So although this sped up, uh, a lot of it was due just to people working a lot harder, a lot more money and effort being pumped into the effort and the FDA um, kind of reducing some of that red tape, so to speak, and just reviewing the data in real time. So, you know, I'm, I understand why people would be concerned, you know, when you think of this was done so quickly. But when you look at the, the safety profile and when you think of a vaccine, usually, you know, you're going to see uh, side effects with a vaccine that occur pretty rapidly. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you'd love to see that data over a couple of years to make sure there's no long term safety effects. But generally uh, looking at this, you know, you wouldn't expect too many side effects. Certainly you can't say 100 percent. But overall, looking at this, at least in my opinion, it looks very safe. And obviously from that high efficacy number, it's very effective as well. You know, when I look at it this way, it's basically Man, this is an American success story. I think God bless America to be able to get all the people rallied together in order to do this in such a way that's unprecedented to help people. And that's just to me, that's an American success story uh, if I've ever seen one, because you just don't ever get to see things like that um, often anymore. We all rally to try to get this thing going. Um, something else I wanted to point out is the refrigeration that's necessary. So there's very specialized equipment needed to get this sort of vaccine out. Do you have any concerns with that? Uh, certainly, logistically, it'll be a challenge. The Pfizer vaccine needs to be stored at minus 94 Fahrenheit. So that's basically storing it on dry ice. 
the Moderna vaccine has to be kept at about minus four, so a little more manageable. But I would imagine, you know, if you think about how the CDC prioritized this, the, the initial dosages are going to hospital workers, so they'll have the infrastructure there to keep it cold. Uh, these companies have been, or Pfizer and Moderna at least, have been uh, running dry runs and practicing to make sure that they have this uh, down pat. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some hiccups here, but I, I don't expect anything major. They've been tracking these. Uh, the vials will be shipped in these huge containers that have GPS trackers. They have uh, wireless uh, remote temperature control. So at all times, you can man- uh, monitor where they are and at what temperature they are just to make sure they stir- they remain safe and they remain um, active. Dr. Dean Finelli joining us. And the one thing, if you ever were to watch a doctor on any of the news networks, they always ask them, would you have any hesitation of taking this yourself? So have you thought about that? I would not have any hesitation. I have thought about it a lot. Uh, I would take it if it was available to me. Uh, that said, I have children uh, under the age, uh, they're not teenagers, young kids. Uh, I'm not there yet with them uh, because I would like to see Pfizer's expanding their uh, trials out to uh, children under the age of 18. They went down to 16, uh, and I think they're down to 13-year-olds now. So I'm going to wait to see that data. But as far as myself uh, and my wife, uh, I would have no problem taking it. And I think that there's going to be a lot of individuals that are going to have to just get comfortable, and sometimes it just takes time. But that's the thing. It's going to take a little time to roll out this to a general population. Do you have any expectation, at least what you're comfortable with, feeling that uh, how long do you think it's going to take before at least we hit the 50 percent marker of people that have taken the vaccination? Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I think at, at first, a lot of the uh, healthcare workers, they're going to be required to take it. They're the hospitals, nursing homes. They're going to require workers there to take it. They're going to require patients to take it. Uh, so that's, I think, as people see more people getting it and you know, hearing that, all right, we're not seeing any major side effects. It seems to be safe. I think that'll encourage people. And look, I think we're all really tired of wearing masks. We're tired of being in this situation, quarantining. So uh, it's definitely, you know, that'll incentivize people as well to just, you know, try and get back to normal. But I would suspect for the general public, we're probably talking about the end of Q1, uh, beginning of Q2 of 2021. So about four, four months or so before the general public is getting rolled out. And probably, hopefully, by the end of next summer, beginning of fall, you know, things are back to normal, so to speak. Hmm. So you can start to see, you know, over 50 percent of the population has it by the summertime, roughly, something like that. Yeah, I would say about May, because, you know, it's amazing. You don't uh, I didn't realize this, but there's over 100 million uh, people in the healthcare essential worker population. And when you add the high risk people, I think you're about 150 million people. So, you know, it's, it's a huge we're going to have half of those people that are just the highest priority. So probably by I, I think you're right, by eight, end of April, May, June time frame, we should start getting to that point where, you know, we're seeing hosp- we're seeing the number of cases go down. We're seeing hospitalization rates go down. And of course, uh, hopefully, you know, death rates are going down as well. Great. Uh, Dr. Dean Finelli, if people wanted to look you up, some of the things that you're doing, where can they find you? I'm an attorney in Washington at Safearth Shaw. They can look me up at safearth.com, S-E-Y-F-A-R-T-H.com. Perfect. Nice, easy way to do that. And I appreciate the time here tonight, Dr. Dean Finelli. He's an expert on pharmaceutical and chemical-related technologies. Thanks for coming on to Overnight America. 
My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And he joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line. I found that very informative. I hope you did, too. This is Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Thanks for the text messages. I see those coming in. We just had a what I thought was a good interview, uh, informative, Dr. Dean Finelli who's an expert on pharmaceutical and chemical-related technologies based on the emergency use that Pfizer got to today to start distributing that coronavirus vaccine. A uh, person texted in, I'm not taking the vaccine. It hurts. You have to get it twice to work. You feel terrible after getting it. And I've heard that it may make you more susceptible to future corona. The thing was rushed very scary. I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. I mean, there's no denying there's people that feel that way, but I think there's a lot of people. There was a survey that I saw that was at one in third healthcare workers do not want to take it, which is something that's very concerning, too. You think that they would be the ones most likely to be comfortable taking it. So, I mean, yeah, sure. I understand people feel that way. I personally do not feel any hesitation to take the vaccine. Uh, my wife doesn't feel any hesitation as far as I know, she doesn't. I, I can't remember if we've discussed it, but um, no, I'm going to hold off on it with the kids. Uh, Dr. Finelli was right to say that he's got kids under the age, you know, of teenagers. So maybe it would be best not to do that immediately. But then again, kids that age anyway are at such a low, low rate to find themselves affected by the coronavirus. Um, it's they're not at a risk point where you would want to give it to them. So maybe wait a little bit on that. But today on Fox Business, when this news broke, they were asking other doctors about this thing, too. You know, how do they feel about it? This was with uh, Fox Business earlier. Now this, the FDA says Pfizer's vaccine is safe, effective, and provides strong protection within about 10 days of the first dose. Infectious diseases, Dr. Matt McCarthy returns to his school. Doctor, would you take the vaccine today? Yeah, that's they all asked the doctors, would you take the vaccine today? I shouldn't try to do that impersonation. That really doesn't do well. And I've been on a really um, poor kick of impersonations lately. I did a poor Bernie Sanders. It didn't work out so well. I think I did a poor Barack Obama. It didn't work out so well the other day. Normally, the ones that are easy to add an impersonation to, I, for whatever reason, I can't do it anymore. I wonder if that's a symptom. I better get myself checked. But what they mentioned at the first part, that's the first time I heard that. So within 10 days, you start to see a pretty good amount of protection, even that's after the first dose. Now, keep in mind, you need two doses of this one to work. I don't know if Moderna's two doses, but we know Pfizer's is. Well, thanks for having me on. You know, I personally went through the data myself yesterday. I'm not affiliated with Pfizer in any way. And I can tell you that after going through all of it, I would take this vaccine. Um, as you mentioned, after 10 days, we start to see real protection against moderate to severe disease. This is a huge advance. Um, now, there are some issues we still have to clarify. They're going to talk about at the federal advisory panel tomorrow. Um, but overall, this was a giant leap forward. And the okay. biggest question I would have if you offered me this vaccine today is how was it stored? One of the big challenges is that that vaccine has this proprietary lipid nanoparticle that has to be kept at sub-zero temperatures. If you could assure me that that thing had been kept cold, you could inject me today. Wow. Okay. So how are they going to do that? Is there going to be some sort of uh, by best date on this? I mean, how can you tell it was handled properly? I'm assuming that when it comes to this vaccine, it's going to be under pretty high level locking key. So the people distributing it are going to have to be keeping a close eye on it. You got 100 million doses, roughly 50 million people. Now, 
how many of those are going to be wasted as in uh, they moved it, but they couldn't put it out in time or they wasn't sure it was still good. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of that, you know, falling off. But otherwise, it looks like that this is going to be on a fast track ready to get out before the end of the year. I wanted to uh, oh, one person texted in your Mitch McConnell impersonation was spot on. Our uh, my Mitch McConnell impersonation is that we as Congress need to get together and pass another spending deal before the end of the year. If it wasn't for my colleagues across the aisle, we would have had this done before. But we know that's not the case. That was my Mitch McConnell. Pretty good. Now, one other thing I wanted to give major, major credit to the Trump administration is that Israel and Morocco have agreed to normalize relations. So is that four different nations in the area that have agreed to normalize relations with Israel? This is as close as we've ever seen to peace in the Middle East, let alone any president in my lifetime and probably of yours that ever got this close to it. I mean, that's really remarkable. So a a big congratulations to everyone involved in that one. This is Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 